You're listening to Building Bold Connections, a podcast where we explore the creative ways business leaders have solved professional challenges to gain success and build net worth from their network. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of hearing from Audrey Hall, Chief Product Officer at Brightwell. Here is episode six of Building Bold Connections. Welcome to Building Bold Connections. I'm your host, Tyra Burton, and today we have Audrey Hall from Brightwell. She's their Chief Product Officer. Welcome, Audrey. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here, too, because I think fintech is just an exciting topic to have. Absolutely. There's so much happening in the fintech space right now. It's just so exciting and lots of energy is building right now. Yes. And But you didn't start off in fintech. No, I didn't. I actually started out in digital ad agencies. That's different. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> but, you know, it was actually the perfect, um, I think, roadmap for where I am today in my career um, because I learned a lot of the foundations and the building blocks that I use today. So. So that helped you with your transition, really? Yeah, it did. So uh, back in the day, a lot of the big ad agencies didn't know what to do with digital when it came out, right? When the web launched, they were like, websites, what? We need to do what? (laughs) (laughs) And so what was really interesting is a ton of little companies spun up out of that. And a lot of them were like, no, we know what to do. We know how to market to people online. We know how to do interesting things. And so I actually cut my teeth in some really interesting work with uh, Def Jam Records was one of my clients. And so I did the Justin... Bieber Belieber tour. Oh my gosh. That's kind of my claim to fame, um, among other things. But honestly, even back then, we were building digital products. So we did like a Bacardi Mix Max, Max, Bacardi Mix Master app, which helps people to figure out how to mix cocktails using their products, right? And so even then, back in my early career, it was really around how do you connect with consumers? How do you make something valuable? And how do you get in front of them? So So you were really out there on the Wild West. Yeah, it was just, oh my gosh, it was such a crazy but exciting time in my career. Um, Not a lot of sleep, I will say. (laughs) It wasn't something that I felt like I could do long term, but it was a wonderful place to work. I loved the culture. I loved the people I worked with. Um, And it really propelled me forward. And I did move into digital products after that and worked at another company where I was helping um, Fortune 500 companies to strategize, how do we disrupt ourselves? We know that so many people in startups are really coming out in the community and they're disrupting our business, right? Like no one saw Uber or Lyft coming around the taxi cab community, right? Right. And like people were like, oh, someone's going to call a stranger and get in their car and go home with them. It sounds horrible (laughs) when you say it. It does, it does, but you know what? people love it. Airbnb. Oh yeah. You can stay at my home and I might be there too while you're there. And so what was so interesting about this is a lot of companies and a lot of organizations realized that they needed to think differently. They needed to be innovative. And it was amazing to be on the cutting edge of that and to get to consult and work with people and build those products for them. And so we did a lot of um, building of early MVPs, launching those into the marketplace, getting consumer adoption, finding product market fit, um, and building from there. And so... And disruption, I mean, is such a part of the fintech industry. I mean, let's it just talk really COVID. <laughs> I mean, there was so much disruption. Ooh, COVID was a rough two years for me. It was probably 
the most difficult part of my career and also the most proud I've ever been um, in my career and working through that. And our entire leadership team, we poured our hearts into our company because um, so Brightwell, just as a little bit of background, right, we're, we're connected to the cruise industry. Um, so we basically provide a fintech app, so a banking app along with a card uh, to cruise ship members. And cruise ship members come from over 140 different countries around the world. And when COVID happened, as one can imagine, and everyone probably read on the news, um, COVID <laughs> really put a stop to cruising. It wasn't good for the cruise industry. It wasn't good. Uh, basically, uh, there was no cruising for two years. Right. And so obviously that had huge effects on our revenue and money coming in. And we had to get innovative. We had to really think about how do we think about our portfolio strategy? How do we think about what products we have and expand outside of that? And so we took that two years and went into kind of innovation mode. And we came out of it with two new products uh, that are now on the market. And I'm really excited to be a part of that story and to help to lead that forward with my team. I think it's great when you can take um, adversity yeah, and really use that as a impetus for innovation. And I think that's what you guys did. Yeah, I really think that um, innovation, it truly comes from sometimes when your back is against the wall and you have to make a decision and you have to think about what are we best in class at? What do we know better than anyone? And how can we take that and leverage that and do something different? And that's what we asked ourselves when we were thinking about, you know, how do we start to innovate? How do we start to think about something new? We were like, well, what are we good at? What do we know? It, it came right. back to like cross-border remittances. It came back to helping um, migrant workers send money around the world. We understand that better than anyone. We've integrated with over six different remitters out there, which is unheard of. They're all aggregated. Now and, tell us what a remitter is. Just oh in yeah. case. Sorry. I'm kind of going off on it. A remitter is someone like Western Union, MoneyGram. Um, those are some of the big names that a lot of people that recognize. Yeah. And basically what they do is they take money from one location and then they send it to another part of the world and they convert that money into the home currency um, oftentimes. Well, because the cruise industry is just filled with migrant workers. Absolutely. Yeah. From all over the world. I would say um, over 90% of them come from like outside of the U.S. Yeah. Very few come from inside the U.S. Um, and like I said, we have over 140 different countries uh, of people who where they come from, from people we serve. And um, our top ones are Indonesia, uh, the Philippines and India. So lots of money being sent back home for those yeah, workers. Yeah, so. absolutely. And what's so interesting about that is like each country has its own regulations, its own requirements. Um, it has really nuances of preferences, actually. So there's different options when you send money home, like you can send it to a bank account or you can send it for cash pickup. Um, and cash is king still in a lot of these communities, right? And so right. having that as an option is really important. And each remitter, the reason why we've integrated with so many has different like network, like network connectivity and it was important for us to have as many options as possible within our product so that we really could service the those users um, and make sure that they had the option that was right for them uh, wherever they might be whatever remote location we're sending to it seems like there's a lot of international involved mm -hmm. with fintech mm -hmm. that you don't see like right yeah. about when you talk about it and also a lot of networking so it seems like knowing people and having the right connections really does matter i yeah i would say that um 
coming into the fintech industry after really working kind of agnostic to it and just being in a ton of different verticals, I had no idea how close knit it was. Um, it is very tight community. A lot of people know a lot of people. And once you get introduced <laughs> to it, um, it's, it's very, um, friends and family feeling right. uh, of just like, oh yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, I'm somehow connected to her or him this way. Um, but I think that that actually helps in a lot of ways too, because of the the community around it. Um, we really are looking to, I think, help and encourage the entire industry forward together. Um, and it, it, makes things, it makes things interesting. <laughs> For everybody. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump back to when you first came to Brightwell and there was a mm-hmm. real big rebranding. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Because I think rebranding is just so important to do it right. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I think there's something so interesting about rebranding. There's a lot of companies that I think shy away from it. Um, and I think brands are actually sometimes an evolution and a moment in time of where you stand and what you're doing and what you're providing. And so I think the first six to nine months that I came to Brightwell, we we decided to do a rebrand. Um, and I think that it was largely because this company has gone through many different iterations of who we are and what we, what we provide our users. Uh, we started out as a prepaid company and, and that's all we did was prepaid solutions. And, um, and then later we started to really hone in on the migrant community for cruise ships. And then, after that, we really started to become a fintech company and we really started to provide other options outside of that. And so it was a natural stepping evolution of like, who are we um, internally, right? What's our culture? What's our values? What do we stand for? Who do we hire and who do we want to bring in and attract? And what do we like really say we are in the marketplace? And then outside of that too, what are we doing for our, our customers, right? And what do we plan to do and how do we plan to expand? And so the rebranding was just truly an opportunity to relook at all of that and to shuffle through the, the questions and the answers that we all have and really find and land on who we are as a business. And so it was a really exciting time. It was a lot to take in uh, for my six, first six to nine months of my job. Um, and we've done some little iterations and tweaks after that, um, but I'm really proud of it. And I think that we've landed on something that really feels true to us, at least in this point in time. And we'll see where it evolves in the next few years. Um, I think the biggest thing is that we embrace change. We embrace evolution and we embrace that um, the the company that we were yesterday is not the company that we may be tomorrow. And continuing to uh, really encourage that and to talk to your employees about that can do so much for you in terms of dividends back to the company and how you start to evolve and new ideas come to the surface. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to, I think, survive I've... COVID going back to that story <laughs> um, if we didn't have that kind of model in place. So how do you because um, you guys have a great culture at Brightwell. You're yeah. one of the top places to work in Atlanta. How do you institute that into your culture? How do you get your people behind that idea? Yeah. So I really believe that it starts at the top and moves its way down. Um, but I believe that you have to have a strong set of values. And I, I kind of want to roll my own eyes when I say that answer, because true, there's so many companies that are like, we have values. I'm like, look at them. <laughs> um, but it's like, well, how do you actually embrace those values right. on a day-to-day basis? How do they help to inform your decision-making? Right. Yes. And so our values, like the first one we have is users first. And this is so interesting because in every decision we make, 
we'll oftentimes call it out. Well, is that putting our users first? Is that really making their lives better? Is that really making a difference? And if it's not, then maybe we don't do that. Right. Um, right? And then there's uh, another one, which is thoughtful innovation, where it's not just being innovative to be innovative for innovative sake, right? Like, cause then that you can go down any path. You can. Um, it, it really under the sun. And really it's more about, no, is this thoughtfully done that makes sense for what we're trying to achieve, the people that we're serving and how does that drive that mission forward? And so each one of our values kind of just layers on top of itself. And it, there's one about acting with integrity and being um, someone that really thinks about right and wrong in a lot of ways. And I think that that's important for a fintech company. You know, um, yes. <laughs> we we did see Enron actually, I think, had that as one of their um, values, Gotta oddly enough, though. but you have to live it. And so when we think about all of the things that we do with our culture, we try to tie back to those. When we praise people, we praise around those values. When we give awards, we talk about the values that those awards really link back to. Um, when we do reviews, we talk about that in the reviews. And so it has seeped through almost every single thing that we've done um, at our business. And we continue to talk about it at every single town hall, at our all hands. All hands are held every single month. Town halls are ha um, handled every quarter. So we try to have a transparent, open, and communicative culture where it really shows that we're standing behind what we're saying um, and that every single person here is responsible for driving that forward as well. Oh, and I think that's the key to good missions and good values in a company. If if it's just something on the wall, it's not going to make a huge difference. No, it really doesn't. So the idea of putting that customer first, does it really serve them? You guys are in a basically B2B market where you sell your product to like a cruise line, mm -hmm. but then who you serve are often pe the people on the ships. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it's like you're both a B2B and a B2C at the same time. Yeah, it, it's been a really interesting thing. Our clients are the cruise lines themselves. Um, and with our new products like Ready Remit, where we are kind of abstracting that technology of the cross-border services and providing it to other fintechs, other businesses, those are our clients. But right. at the end of the day, we know that we have to build a product that's not just for them and makes their lives better from the side of um, the financial people at the cruise line or the fintech developers who are integrating with our services, we are building products for them, but we also know we're building for their end users as well. And to be valuable, to be able to stand out in the marketplace and, and really shine, you have to focus on user experiences. This has been something that like everyone's been shouting from the rooftops for years, um, but you'd be surprised at how often it gets ignored. And so we do a lot of um, research, development, testing, learning, iterating. That's a huge part of our process of figuring out what is the best pass? How do we display the right information at the right time? How do we think through um, just even down to how big the button is or what color it is, or what does that mean? Um, our color theory is huge because in some countries red is good and right. some others it's bad. bad. And you have to be really mindful of how do you present that? And how do you make people who are, um, maybe not English first speakers right. able to understand even from visual cues or iconography, understand what you're looking for them to do and, and what they need to fill out. And so we do a lot of work around that. And at the end of the day, that's what makes us a really great partner to all of those businesses. It's because we're thinking about their end users as well. We're providing an exceptional experience. And through that exceptional experience, we are all um, benefiting from that. Well, and it seems like education is just huge, especially when Absolutely. you're dealing with migrant workers. 
understanding that all those cultural things you talked about, education becomes really a key point in fintech that you don't, again, think about. Yeah, absolutely. We really take an onus of education and empowerment, um, especially when we go back to like the migrant worker community, um, and especially they're the ones who are traditionally using cross-border services, right? right? You're sending money home to like family and friends. Um, and those folks are traditionally underserved in the marketplace. And there's just not a lot of, I would say, educational materials, helpful materials around that. Um, oftentimes what we even learned with our cruise ship workers is that many of them had never been banked before. Um, and that many of them had never really thought about, well, what do I do with a discretionary income? How do I save for my future goals and plans? No one's ever taught me how to budget or how to think about these things. And so I think that what's really great about our company is that we truly care about these people and we truly want to make a difference in their lives. And we want them to, to achieve the goals that they have, whether it's eventually leaving that industry and starting their own bar, starting, uh, you know, sending their kids to college. There's lots of different goals that we've heard throughout the years. Um, And so we've taken an onus on ourselves of like, how do we build materials? How do we build educational foundational like um, work for them to where we can teach them those, those building blocks. Um, Obviously like every person is different and nothing is a one size fits all. And so I want to be careful with that, but it really is trying to be more of that guide, trying to be more of that, um, that person that's here, like I'm here on this journey with you. You are the hero of your own story. You are experiencing your own life and you are making decisions, but let us help you with the right knowledge and information along the way so that you feel supported in that journey. I just think it's, you, when you think about FinTech, we always talk about the technology and innovation and really you have to think about that end user so much yeah. and what they need to actually put that into practice. Absolutely. So I know that fraud is a huge impact (laughs) in um, the fintech industry. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, So back to those users, I think that they are some of the most hardworking, wonderful people in the world, Um, but they are also new to um, what I'll call some of the scams or phishing scams that many of us have. I think everybody can fall to those. Yeah. Oh, they're so good sometimes. I mean, our internal security people will put out some of the best scams I've ever seen or emails to see if we'll click. Um, We do constant training internally too, to make sure that we're always thinking about it and learning and processing um, what our users are going through. But I will say that they are oftentimes taken advantage of um, and they'll use tactics uh, that are um, difficult in the sense that they they give you some kind of urgency or feeling of something is yep. going to go wrong if you don't take action right away. Um, and so these phishing scams are just constantly hitting them from emails, phone calls, fake websites, um, just it's incredible the lengths that some of these fraudsters will go to to um, get these people's money, right? right? I mean, that's their job. That's their business. And they don't sleep. It's a 24-7 business. It's true. And so it's our business to stop them at every opportunity as well and to educate again and empower our users to be able to spot these scams, to be able to take a breath and, and really look at it and evaluate, is this truly my company talking to me or not? Right. And then also, we would never ask for your account information. We know who you are. It's okay. <laughs> but, you know, some some things like that we take for granted that we know that our best practices are not to do. Like I've seen people when COVID was happening, even some of our users were so desperate. True. They would post their own account information and be like, well, someone send me money. I need right. money. Um, and, and so oftentimes, again, it's just 
don't do that. Don't trust your card. Um, so we work on that a lot, but we also built a product that actually helped our business as well. And now we're selling it to other businesses, um, that was really noticing a trend in, in the industry, um, across multiple companies that are, uh, card providers or issuers or program managers where there was targeted attacks using bots. And so some merchant sites um, are very vulnerable. They don't have the right protections in place. And so I, as a fraudster, can take over that and start running a systematic attack where I'm basically testing card numbers and CVV and expiration date until I get a match, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so then they basically build up a whole portfolio of that, a database of that. Yeah, they can sell it on the dark web or they wait for one big day, which is like a D-day of monetization Mm -hmm. where they drain all all of those accounts and then like basically payday. it's like following the money until it's like somehow sent through crypto and <laughs> far far away um but yeah so we ha- we have a tool now that it detects that stops that um and shuts it down and our fraud has just gone down by oh, like astronomical amounts ever since we've um, launched that product plus we've added biometrics into our product as well so scanning of your face and liveness detection has been a really big win for us when it comes to account takeover. Um, so we've done a number of different things to try to help to prevent that. But fraud in our industry is always going to be there. They're always getting cr- like new ideas and being creative because that's right. their job. And that's what they're working on. And our job is to keep fighting it and to keep learning and, and continuing to be proactive. So I think Arden might have been the product you were talking about. Yeah, it is. So it won the... Uh, Business Intelligent Group's uh, new product of the year. Yeah. And so is that part of your um, thought process on diversifying your portfolio yeah. so that you're not all have all your eggs in the cruise line basket? Absolutely. So kind of going back to that and um, I'll, I'll mention Arden as a part of that strategy. Uh, so cruise, what were we really good at? Sending money cross borders, really understanding the user experience. Integrating with a lot of remitters takes six to nine months to complete, which is a huge, huge investment when it comes to your product roadmap and it comes to your um, understanding of like, what else are you going to do that year? And like getting that in, um, or you have to build out an entire compliance engine staff around that people to manage that. And so our first thing was when COVID happened, we were like, we're really good at this. We know how to do this. We built a whole business around this. There's a whole bunch of other fintechs, program managers who are servicing these niche communities who have like launched these neobanks. And they're basically saying, we need services like this, but one, we can't make that roadmap commitment Two, we don't have the compliance understanding and knowledge and team in house to be able to support that. And so that's where ready remit came. It's basically embedded FinTech or technology that they can put into their products as exists today. Okay. And they can launch it within weeks. And ultimately we handle a lot of the other pieces around that, that are typically left for them to, to deal with. And on top of that, Arden is another, you know, uh, offering that we have that can help to protect their program and all of their cards within it through looking for bin attacks as well as other um, AML and BSA rules. So it's it's like a full portfolio, but it's all around um, kind of the same audience and what their needs are. Right. And so yeah. So when we were thinking about that, we just kind of again started thinking about what's 
tangential to our business. What are some opportunities for us to move into that we're best in class at that we know and that we understand? And then how do we build on that? You know, when Amazon built AWS, they built it for themselves. And when we built Arden, we built it for ourselves because we were like, there's no tool in the marketplace that does this. Otherwise we would have bought it. I would have been very happy to just buy it at that time when we were experiencing that type of fraud. Plug and play it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But there was nothing there. And that's why we have a patent pending on it now. That's why we've won awards for this. It's because we looked at the market and we said, this isn't there. So we're going to build it. And we actually have two amazing strengths of ours. One is we are rooted in banking. We started out as a bank. We spun out of that. We've been doing prepaid cards. We've been doing this for years, cross-border services. And then on the other side, we are stacked with product and technology and marketers um, that make us like agile and nimble and be able to react to these things and know how to build for those missing um, pieces in the market and those needs and and being able to answer for that. And so those two things combined have made us so unique um, that I think we've been able to be so successful so quickly with these new products. I think really, if you look at how much everything was disrupted during COVID and then looking at your portfolio, it really is a great example of expansion so that you have a long-term strategy that's filling market needs. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were also named the Women We Admire Top 50 Women Leaders of Georgia and one of the Software Report's Top 25 Software Product Executives of 2022. So those are some nice little accolades. Could you speak to particularly the women out there that are getting into fintech? Uh, What are some suggestions you would have for them? Yeah, I would say more women need to get into fintech. Uh, That's the first problem. I will say that there is definitely a lack of women um, when I look around the room. Um, And I think that that's the first problem. And so I think it starts even earlier. I think there's some amazing programs out there, um, like Girls Who Code is one of them. Yeah, there's a lot of other ones um, that I wish I could even think of right now to really help to encourage that type of thinking um, and really to show women that this is a career path for them and that they could really um, succeed in it because uh, truly I think that we have new ideas and different ways of um, thinking that I think we should be bringing to the table. Um, so what would I say to help someone who's starting out? I would say try to find a mentor. I think that yes. that is probably one of the most important things I've ever done in my career was I just constantly looked for people to help me um, and to ask questions and not necessarily make an ask of them right away. It was more of like, I just need to build my knowledge. I am not where you sit today. I hope to be there one day, but I'd like to start building my brain on it now. And so every place that I've lived, every place that I've worked, I've tried to um, find a community of other women who are interested in um, helping others and and really being a part of that journey for it with you. Um, And then sometimes they make connections to other women and you always take that offer. Um, And so I think that that's another big thing. Always say yes in the beginning, right? If you never say, oh, I don't want to do that. That's not a part of like my career goals. That's not a part of my job. That's not a part of what I want. Just say yes. Like the knowledge that you're building around all of that will help you at one point. And if they make an introduction or they say you should talk to this person, immediately follow up and immediately take action on that because um, those are people that stand out in the long run. And those are people that you're going to constantly try to invest in and continue to make more and more connections. And so uh, that was a big one. Go to networking events. I know after COVID, it's a little weird and there's not as many, but I I think that the world will like get a little bit more rightened with that. But I think that networking events are huge. They're a really important thing. 
read, create your own perspective on the industry, you should have a point of view. Um, And the value that you bring is largely around that. What are you seeing? What are you reading? What do you know um, that you can bring where you can start to bring and infuse your perspective into your day-to-day and what you're doing at your office and bring fresh ideas, right? Um, Not saying disrupt everything all the time, (laughs) but I am saying like you should start to take ownership of your own knowledge and your own education. And I think that once people leave school, oftentimes that kind of starts to dwindle a little bit. Um, but instead it's like, no, embrace it, go back to that. You've learned a lot of these key, um, pieces of how you should be learning and building on your knowledge that should never end. Um, especially if you really want to be specialized in a certain vertical. So the last thing I want to ask you is what do you think is the next thing on the horizon in fintech? Yeah, I actually think we're doing it. <laughs> um, so when I look out into the marketplace, I think what's really um, hot right now is embedded fintech, um, right? Embedded technology. And so that's really what largely ReadyRoom is, um, which is that product that I was talking about where we're abstracting basically our technology from Navigator of all of those cross-border services and compliance as a service and packaging it up and being able to embed that into your product um, and provide those services on top of that. Cross-border is huge and we're seeing more and more people um, expand outside of their own country and and people are still moving um, on top of that. companies are now hiring people from all over the world, right? COVID accelerated that. And so I think that there's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening there. And I think that um, we're right in time and right place, right time and and knowledge around that. And so I'm excited about it. At the end of the day, people need to be paid. (laughs) They do. (laughs) Well, Audrey, thank you so much for joining us here on Building Bold Connections. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. Thank you for listening to Building Bold Connections. This has been a Coles College and Joel A. Katz Music and Entertainment Business Program production.